Today, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Something that Lee Marvin could very well have said to Toshiro Mufune on an island in the Pacific. Also, Truman Capote makes his first and only movie appearance as an actor. All this and more coming up in the next hour. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, my name is Tosin. You are listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. And I shall be your hand holder through the next hour of a trawl through the back annals of Hollywood history. With me in the studio today are Sean. Hiya. And Sharon. Hello. And as always, we are joined by a representative from our adopted hospital ward, Alveston Ward in the hospital. And today is a, is a turn of Jill Luscombe. Hello, Jill. I promise I'll try not to blow your hearing aid as you listen to the show today. So, what do we do at this show? We talk about films of yesteryear, essentially films that are made before the period of 1980. So, Sean, you've chosen a film for us today, haven't you? Yes, I have chosen a film for you okay. today. Okay, cool. Let's just hang on a second. Hang on a second. I, see, I, I, there was a little... Um, yeah, at the start... A failure to communicate. A failure to communicate. A failure to communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. Okay. did we have a failure to communicate? We did have a failure to communicate. <laughs> okay, I cool. wonder if anybody can... You can guess the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. But before we before we have the, before we go there, I just want to say so what we're gonna do on the show is we're gonna kick off with what we think is a bona fide classic. So a film that we say this is just hands down recognized across the board as this is one of the greatest films ever made. And um <laughs> and we start we kick off with that, then we're gonna go into the hospital for a patient choice. We will continue on with A Hidden Gem, a film which we think, okay, this is a great film that many people haven't seen, which has actually been suggested on Facebook for us today. And we shall end off today with a movie on an Isle of Movies, which is essentially a movie that is set on an island because we live on an island. Oh, look oh, what we did nice. there. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> so, Sean, you are going to tell okay. us a little bit about our failure to communicate. Our failure to communicate, indeed. I'm sure everybody knows that famous line, and it's from Cool Hand Luke, yeah. um, a, a great Paul Newman film, which... Um, I'm sure most people at least would have heard of. It's got some great character actors in and um, some, some really terrific scenes. And Sharon's got a big smile on her face there. And I bet she's thinking boiled eggs. I'm not <laughs> sure of it. Yeah. Boiled eggs. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So Cool Hand Luke. Let's, let's kick off with some music from Cool Hand Luke. This is the main theme written by Lalo Schriffen, who is probably most well known for his dun, 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 dun. Tune to uh, Mission Impossible. So here's the main theme theme from Cool Hand Luke. Yes, the main theme from Cool Hand Luke. So Sean, tell us a little bit. What is this about? <laughs> okay, this is one of those um, prison. Prison films, you know, where states off that down in the southern states, but there's a few prison films. But I was just talking to Sharon about the opening, which is Paul Newman's like drunk and he cuts all the heads. He's got like a pipe cutter, and he just goes around. There's all these parking meters, yeah, and I mean, and he just goes around with this pipe cutter, yeah. and he just takes all the cuts the heads off all the parking meters, and of course gets picked up. Yeah, it's enough to get him in jail time. Yeah, jail time, especially that's in the south. Damage, you think that's unheard of? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, and basically he gets he gets thrown in the slam. He gets thrown in this. Uh, it's all like prison camp, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a prison camp. So it's like you know, um, where it's quite harsh. 
hard labor yeah really hot you know they're out on the roads just clearing stuff digging trenches just they work them to the bone chain gang the proper chain gang proper chain gang yeah it is a chain gang and there's the normal um you know i know uh, a song about that do you (laughs) what back on the chain gang yeah pretenders but anyway so yeah so he's but but and he goes you know everybody's got to comply we don't want no you know no one's to buck the system and of course cool hand luke by his name tries ways to to buck the system well i guess i guess if if the film starts off with him sort of like cutting the heads off parking meters for no apparent reason this is the kind of guy who's not particularly going to go in there and be like oh oh yeah let's just follow what the system does or something like that keep your head down and conform it's not his bag is it no it's not so they of course the uh the the prison guards and the warden they just want to you know, make his life hell. So yeah. he, he give him, and and all the prisoners end up really sort of respecting him. They're going, oh yeah, but uh, you know, it's um, I guess it's like all these prisons, Shawshank Redemption, all of those. Whereas Shawshank yeah. Redemption, he complied with everything, didn't he? Really, but yeah. in this one, he doesn't. He gets yeah. thrown in the slammer all the time, which yeah, is well, a, he gets thrown into solitary co- and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, it's it's basically solitary as a corrugated iron shed. Yeah, you know, right out in the middle of the compound with the sun so just hot beating down. Really, <laughs> just this unrelenting heat. Yeah, unrelenting. But dust. And uh, some great actors in that. Some great, great scenes. Yeah. They're all character actors, aren't they? Real There's some real actors, yeah. people. We think I don't know the name, but you know the face, and yeah, you yeah, all yeah. know well, other George things. Kennedy, probably. George Kennedy, George Kennedy, yeah, because George yeah, Kennedy he ended. Pops he, up. Yeah, he he's one of those guys who just shows up in of everything, and he he ended up work, winning an Oscar for this, yeah. like best supporting actor Oscar. And this is one of these things because the first time I ever saw George Kennedy, it was in the Naked Gun movies. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, an older man. Yeah. yeah, because it was like when he was older, it was like George Kennedy and the Naked Gun. And then it's one of these things you see them and that's what you know them for. And I think there's a character actor that I go back and I see him in Cool Hand Luke and I'm like, what the? What, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's and young? It, it's, it, it's, it sort of throws me a bit, but I think but he's brilliant in it. He's, uh, <laughs> there is a film. I, I, I don't think we've done it on the show. It's a Clint Eastwood film. Mm-hmm. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I'm, no, we I'm, haven't. haven't you, you, you've mentioned have it a couple of times, before? but we haven't. And done George it. Kennedy's in this, and he plays a guy called Red Leary, who tries <laughs> he's, he's, he tries to have a fight with Clint Eastwood. And he just he's like really bloated and stuff, and he throws a couple of punch, and he just gets sort of totally exhausted. But <laughs> we really need to mention that. I must that must come up. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot because yeah. he's in that as well. Okay. So, anyway, back to Cool Hand Luke. Yes, back to Cool um, Hand. Yeah. So yeah, so that's basically the story. It's a prison drama, and. Um, what he comes we, up against one particular guard, though, doesn't he? Or is he the governor? Is he the governor? Well, the prison? governor's there. It's, it's um, Elkie, no, Stroh the Martin, isn't it? I think plays the governor, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah what yeah. we have here is... A failure to communicate. <laughs> a failure to yeah. communicate. So he tries to be nice to me. He says, look, you know, you, you do your time in here and but, you know, don't cause any trouble and do what you're told. It'll be okay. But, of course, you know, he's, he hasn't made that, that particular thing as he hasn't made himself clear. So he's like yeah. saying, yeah. you know, about the failure to communicate. Because... For whatever reason but yeah there's uh everybody remember the scene you've seen this i'm sure remember the boiled eggs i mentioned the boiled about the eggs scene, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah because i know that there, there, <laughs> are, there are a couple of iconic iconic yeah, really, scenes yeah. in this film i mean there is there's the bit where because obviously cool hand uh luke well he's he, he just goes in there he gets his name he gets his sort of like prison name cool hand luke while he's in the prison yeah and i know that uh, when he goes in there it's all these different things that sort of almost build up the myth of cool hand luke yeah and, prob- and the eggs one is probably where they're they're doing like a bet in the prison and yeah, he, and he just kind of like goes i can eat 50 eggs <laughs> <Yeah>. now <laughs> 
That's it. Uh, so they have this brilliant sequence because I remember just just the sequence when they, he's trying to eat all these eggs and they're feeding him these eggs and he's getting to the point where he's like bloated and he can't eat anymore and, and they keep like checking jo- his mouth, don't they? They yeah, like they poke c- the fingers around in his mouth <laughs> to make sure that he's actually eggs. swallowed it. And you have like George Kennedy's <laughs> walking so him up and down. Yeah. It's like walk it off, just walk it off. The last one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, and yeah, that's that's legendary. So yeah. Um, and there's another bit. I think, I think of the and one about digging the holes. That's yeah, the one digging that the holes. Really and gets. I remember the most because he gets to the point where he's almost like they try to break him, don't they? And there's that scene where he's just had an. He's at the end of himself where he's just can't dig another hole. But they just keep getting to dig a hole, then to fill it in again, then to dig it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think probably okay. But at the time when I first this film first came up came up um, came across my path, the most famous scene was the car washing scene. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> which is which? I'm not. I'm not Trust sure. you to think of that, Toast. No, oh come on! You're talking <laughs> no, about... I know, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> We're talking about famous scenes in this film. This is a famous scene, and it's essentially the bit where you have all the. I think they're they're working in the chain gang and everything. Is it supposed to be like the, the prison governor's daughter or something like that? And so you have all these men, and then there's this girl who comes out, and I think it's probably one of the first things that you have. It's been parodied so many yeah. times yeah. and all that of this young girl essentially cleaning this car and in slow motion and you can fill in the rest (laughs) you can figure out what happens you have men who've been locked up in prison watching anyway never mind but it's a very famous it is yeah 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 that That, i think that that i think just has has um it has ripples throughout the rest of hollywood history like it's been used it's been done all over again and i think i don't think that there's any i don't think that there's any film that well, there's anything where someone, where a woman comes out and washes a car where you don't think, ah, cool yeah. hand, Luke. Yeah. Cool hand, that Luke. That's what they're Sharon, very Sharon. well. Very, that's a brilliant word <laughs> that to is, use. <laughs> that is the word right there. I, was, I wasn't sure how to actually put it outside. But yeah, jailbait. That is, that is it totally. But some, I mean, we're talking about some other, there's some other great actors in there too, isn't there? I mean, you've got like... Um, I don't suppose you would know him, but there's a guy called Luke Askew, and he's like one of those people that pops up. Obviously, been in a lot of westerns. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you would you would recognise him because he he pops up. He's quite in there, and um, I see even I mean, uh, Dennis Hopper was in there too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the thing is one of the Dennis Hopper is one of those guys. I remember growing up and being finding it really weird to think that hang on Dennis Hopper was young once and yeah, <laughs> we know him like from speed well he had like a resurgence his career from speed didn't he so he was then a lot around a lot when in there but you think he was in James Dean films wasn't he yeah, yeah he, he was he was, yeah, a, yeah. he was a rebel without a cause yeah. he was he was the guy who, who got killed in the um in the race wasn't in he? The, the race, race. He, got yeah. his, got his cuff caught on the on the hand and then goes over the goes over yeah. the hill with it yeah yeah, and then he became unpopular. Why did he become unpopular? I don't know. In the end of the sixties, he did he go no, down the whole drug route? And, uh... It was a dr- It wasn't that he became unpopular. It was kind of like he just disappeared down a, a drug warren. So he, I, I think there was a large, there was a large period of time where Dennis Hopper wasn't entirely sure who he was. Yeah, mm. so, and that renders him unemployable. I'd imagine if you can't well, be relied upon to learn your lines and to show up, then well, I, you're I, not going to be in films, are you? I, I think he had other issues that he had to deal with besides being in films. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had to get sorted out. But but okay, last week we were talking about um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest and how that I think that was really kind of like a sort of. A transition for Jack Nicholson into the mainstream. I think Cool Hand Luke really cemented Paul Newman as a box office draw, and the the two films have like quite a few similarities. I I think anyway, you have this character who ends up in this place for something seemingly a bit minor, 
and it, there's this institution that's already there and it's a case of don't mm-hmm. upset the apple cart don't upset yeah. the don't upset the institution but then this one character comes in and it's all kind of like almost inspirational and i almost sort of like uh, see something that he doesn't like and sort of inspires everybody else to sort of live up to something and it becomes this this man versus an institution yeah and you know it's not going to end well and once they've got <laughs> you they can keep if you committed malfaction inside the prison they can extend your sentence yeah so yeah. like poor old chap who's in the mental institution they said they can't they don't won't release you until they say you're yeah, un- fit to be released until you do what they say pretty once much once he's in the penitentiary system they could keep him there Potentially indefinitely, if they just keep saying, well, "Okay, it. for this you get an extra month on your jail sentence. For this you get an extra six months." You could stretch like Charles Bronson in our prison system. You know, he was originally sentenced for five yeah. years, and he's been inside for forty yeah, odd yeah. years. That's right. Because he keeps doing things in prison. In prison, yeah. And then there's some. Um, yeah. You're not coming out, pal. Some eight uh, great other prison films. The one, The Longest Yard, or I think we called it The Mean Machine. Oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A similar sort of thing because he's the Burt Reynolds original one. Burt Reynolds it? was the original one, and. I mean, I know some people knock Adam Sandler, but the Adam Sandler remake of The Longest Yard is just... And Burt Reynolds is in that as well. And yeah, as a cat. Well, he was in it f- for quite a while, but uh, that's just another prison drama. But it's like they were saying, mm. you know, or oh, we can make you stay in here for another 30 years if we want to. If you don't throw the game, you know, we're going to yeah. blame the death. That's, of... that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Have we got that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you put that down. Oh, yeah, that. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was Dreamers, your choice, man. Of course it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm really confused. I've had a really, really busy day today, and it's, it's been a bit hectic, so do apologise. Yeah. Oh, that's coming up. That's good. So back to Cool and Luke. Cool yeah. and Luke. Yeah, so... But there so, is another link. Sorry, I was just thinking, there is there, isn't there another link between Cool Hand Luke and One Through the Cuckoo's Nest in the form of Easy Rider? Jack Nicholson. No? Um... Oh, Am well, I getting oh, it? They're both in it, aren't they? Jack Nicholson's oh, no, no, in Easy Rider. Jack Nicholson Rider. is an Easy Rider. Dennis Hopper's in. Okay, so Dennis Hopper's in Cool Hand Luke and Easy Rider. Jack yeah. Nicholson is an Easy Rider and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, so it's yeah. like the six degrees of separation type thing. They're both, yeah. they're <laughs> both in the same. Yeah. I think we actually did Easy Rider, didn't we? No, we haven't, we haven't done Easy Rider. Are you sure? I'm definitely. Okay, okay. I'm well, definite. Sorry, I'm <laughs> <laughs> confused. But there's a you great see, line t- to me in that film. That's. I mean, I think that's like the first time you really see Nicholson. And. He just goes, oh, can I come with you? He's like a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, can I come with you? And he goes, have you got a helmet? And he goes, have I got a helmet? <laughs> and he's got this like American football helmet that he just puts on the back and then off he goes. But that will come another time. <laughs> we'll have to ride, talk yeah. about that. Easy that, ride. That will yeah. cover it in Great movie. Time. Yeah, so, so Cool Hand Luke. I mean, so it's essentially a story about one person's, it's more or less, because I've, obviously I always try and think about, okay, what made this such a big, uh, big thing? Uh, what made the film so and it was a, sort of anti-establishment because it was around the time of like the vietnam war and every so it was almost kind of like that that was very very popular that whole anti-establishment vein yeah. and going yeah. against it and going against the man yeah going against the man and it's and it becomes a story about one man's refusal to bend yeah to bend <laughs> to be to bend and i think you could read it that he's just stubborn and a bit stupid for some people he's obviously a hero and it's and I know people are saying a lot about uh, even if you look on the Wikipedia page, there's a lot of talk about the um, the the sort of like parallels drawn with Jesus. Like Cool Hand Luke is a bit of a Jesus character, and like the George Kennedy character is a bit of a Judas character because he leads the he leads the people to the end. Like when Cool when Luke's trying to escape, escape the church. yeah, and how yeah. it's yeah, and it's how it's, people are just like just do what we say and everything will be okay. And it's like no, there's a better way of doing things and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's it's well, I agree. I think great film. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah, film. It's, it's, brilliant, brilliant performance from Newman. So, yeah. From Paul Newman. Actually, it's quite classic. interesting. I'm going to go... <laughs> but she's not, well, anyway, 
I was watching a little thing about disaster movies, top ten disaster movies, and like, we were on about Paul Newman, the yeah. Tower Steve Frodo. McQueen, yeah, the Tower and, and they were like, oh, you know, who's going to have top billing? What are we going to do here? Because they were both sort of divas. <laughs> yeah. And what they decided on the end is Steve McQueen would be the opening credit is Steve McQueen's on the left hand side, yeah, but Paul Newman's on the right, but just slightly higher than, yeah. than Steve McQueen, <laughs> which. This is quite but interesting. Didn't they have the same know. number of lines or something? Like, wasn't it worked little, out that they yeah, would have yeah, the yeah. same number of lines? Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they were they were pretty uh, big, but it's yeah. But anyway, but yeah, anyway, yeah, but, it's think, good. It's a... but Paul Newman, brilliant. And I've got a bit here, which is Paul Newman after one of his many run-ins with the institution in the prison. Um, this is him. This is Paul Newman playing the banjo, no less, singing the song "Plastic Jesus." <laughs> Yeah, Paul, I like that. yeah, I know it's it's Paul Newman, and I think that that's one of the few times that you would ever find him singing because I don't think he did a, I don't remember Paul Newman ever doing a musical. Uh, I don't think it was known for singing voice, was he? No, no, <laughs> but it's 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 pretty. That's good. probably unusual actually for that era to not be in a musical. Well, in the sixties. Yeah, because he came to to notice in the fifties, didn't he? And then it was became really big in the sixties. Yeah, because yeah. he was contemporary of James Dean. They both went for the same role. I think was yeah. in. East of Eden, I think they both play, they both auditioned for the same role. Well, I can imagine, I can imagine, because I mean, he did have the whole sort of like, I mean, he, in some ways, Paul Newman kind of defined matinee idol for a generation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we, we kind of did, right? And now we go into the hospital. So every week we go to our pet ward, Alveston, and we actually speak um, to we speak to at least one patient who tells us about the first time they ever went to the cinema or their favorite movie of all time. This week, we had Jill Loscombe, who spoke to us. But before we do that, it seems as if we might be having another Alveston staff special on our hands. Because while I was speaking to people, they all started doing, oh, yeah, this is the film that I've talked about. This, <laughs> And it looks as if that the staff in Alveston Ward might be actually hankering for yet another staff special, like what we did a couple of shows ago. 
And also, they suggested that we have the theme song for Alveston that you suggested, Sharon. Oh, Galveston. Galveston by Glenn Miller. So, <laughs> so what we have here, I've decided that we're going to try this out. But we, we're going to have to sing Galveston, uh, Alveston, Galveston when it says Galveston. Galveston. Yes. That one, is that the song? Yeah, yeah that's the song. That's the song. Cool. So everybody ready for this? Yep. Everybody, we're going to record our own special Alveston ditty. Alveston, oh Alveston I still hear your sea Cool, that's good enough. <laughs> so we got that now. We'll try that like we'll try that out next week. We hope you enjoy that at Alveston. But here's Jill, and this is what Jill had to say when I asked her about the first film she ever saw at the cinema. Um, one of the first times that my twin brother and I went to the cinema was Snow White. My parents, obviously, I think it might have been in the wartime, and it it was a big thing to go to the pictures then. And uh, we got to the witch bit, and both of us started yelling so badly, we were told that we had to be removed. (laughs) So that's that's my story. Another thing is that um, uh, Mum and Dad took us up to uh, Big Mead in Shanklin uh, to watch some fireworks. We were okay, we got up there all right. And of course, when you've got two kids, one sets off the other, you see. You know that. And don't you the first firework went up, scream, home again. Oh, that's, that's, that's what I can remember. So were, were your parents a bit like they couldn't take you anywhere? Uh, they took us for walks. Okay. One of the most boring walks was being met outside St. Saviour's Church in Shanklin. And I had a tight, you wouldn't know what this is, a tight velour hat on because it was Sunday round there and we scuffed the leaves in these I can only remember the autumn scuffed the leaves up Victoria Avenue round the manor uh, fed the ducks that was all right and came back I remember walk is we did a lot of walking because uh, dad didn't have a car or we, we didn't people didn't and I remember the first time um, we went in a car one of his colleagues had a car we thought inventor so that's three things. That's not bad going, is it? No, not bad going at all. No. So, okay, apart from the witch, what do you remember much about Snow White, or what do you remember about Snow White? We didn't stay that long, actually. <laughs> you ever seen it since then? No. But they, they did revive it, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been, they've done it a couple of times. I know, and I can't remember the next thing. They took us, obviously they were still a bit romantic, and they took us to see uh, the, the film where it was the song That Black Magic, and it went on and on and on. Oh. Oh, the old black magic, cause knew so well, something like that. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going to have a look. We're going to have a search yeah, and find yeah, that. Yeah. I think I know the film is just escaping me right now. Yeah, well, you, you just cut it short, please. <laughs> 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 okay, Jill. I love her. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I love going around the hospital. I love well, I love going around Alveston. I love going around Alveston and just speaking to people and asking them things. Um, so, Jill, um, unfortunately, I think we failed a bit because I can't narrow down the film because this is actually a very, very popular song that has appeared in quite a few films. Just to mention a few, it was sung by Jerry Lewis in The Nutty Professor in, in his original version of The Nutty Professor, sung by Marilyn Monroe 
in Bus Stop, and it was also sung by M- Michelle Williams, playing Marilyn Monroe in the movie My Week with Marilyn, mm-hmm. and it was sung by Bing Crosby in Here Come the Waves. It was originally written, however, about or by ooh a guy I think it was Johnny Mercer, and it was written about his relationship, his on and off relationship with Judy Garland. And ever since we've done, uh, we did A Star Is Born a couple of weeks ago in which we played Judy Garland playing a song. I've had a little bit of a Judy Garland loving in my life. So I have decided to go for the Judy Garland version of That Old Black Magic. Here we go. That old black magic has me in its spell. That old black magic that you leave so well. Oh, Judy, oh. Judy, Judy, Judy Garland. Jill, I don't know whether... I know you said it goes on for a while, but I don't think it goes on that well. And I don't know whether it's just because it's Judy Garland, but I think that's lovely, personally yes. speaking. <laughs> But anyway, going back a bit, so, okay, so, Andy, sorry, you're listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. This is They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. And uh, just now, we've heard, like, from Jill talking about going to the cinema for the first one she ever saw with her twin brother, watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and then getting to the bit with the witch, and then just being absolutely freaked out and screaming so much that they had to be asked to leave the cinema. So, we, I just wanted to ask, what are the things that you reckon are made for kids that are actually too freaky to that you think i'm gonna second i'm not sure this is meant for kids so i know i've got mine already i've got mine i've okay. totally got mine okay sure and go for it pinocchio pinocchio scary what, the bit when they we've, turn we've into done the that donkeys. we've done that on this show yeah we've, t- we've spoken about pinocchio, oh, pinocchio is well freaky and yeah. I, I think I, we're probably going over the same stuff but we'll say it again anyway for listeners yeah. who perhaps haven't heard it i remember i had a nephew and he was about seven and I said, oh, you, want, you know, you want to be an actor. You want to be, and he really, really wanted to be an actor. And we saw this, and there's a bit where he gets taken away by like a big fox and thing. Hey, diddly dee, an actor's life for me. And I just remember him sitting there and saying, I don't want to be an actor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's pretty, pretty freaky. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Sharon, you got anything? I was thinking of the, the heffalumps and woozles. That's Winnie sequence. the Pooh. It In is Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. Yeah. yeah. I remember... These just the these day. really awful elephant things with the bizarre colours and it all goes a bit psychedelic. I remember thinking that was just oh, <laughs> I still don't like it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so probably yeah, that's a pretty freaky crap. I think you can probably get it on YouTube that one, but it's yeah, I, I I remember that. That is freaky, yeah. So oh, it's, okay, so we we we're having like a Disney thing here. So we had Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we had Pinocchio, and now we've had Winnie the Pooh. So essentially, Disney seemed to have this. Yeah, they well, can tap into the dark side, obviously, well, can't well, they? Well, I think... Yeah, sorry, yeah, guys. You know, carry on, carry on. I, I, I think that fairy tales, when they were written, especially the Grimm's fairy tales, were... They even were the dark. fairy tales themselves mm. were very dark. You know? Yeah. I mean, Other I really like... cautionary tales, weren't like they? Like the tinderbox. And um, I, I used to have... That was one thing as a kid. They used to have a Grimm's fairy tales, I remember. Princess and the Pea and, you know... But the tinderbox always used to freak me out because it was like <laughs> a, with a dog as eyes as big as plates and then one of the big yeah. yes do you well, remember that and he yes, has to go do. down there's like a horrible witch in that it's always witches or wicked stepmothers or well wicked. it is i actually reckon that in this in this period that we're talking Scary about man. like yeah. in this in this disney period before everything got massively massively sanitized they understood that 
they understood that for there to be like almost triumph in fairy tales and especially kids fairy tales they had to be like a real sense of danger and danger, a real sense yeah. of something scary and this is something that i because you look at roald dahl for instance who is one of the most one of the most celebrated children's yep. authors of all time yeah, but when he you did dark. yeah yeah but when you read his books there's some dark stuff in there and yeah. there's some horrible horrible characters in there but as he kind of understood that look kids will get this and kids will be able to go and understand the dark stuff and then because there's consequences to actions and yeah. you got to realize that the consequences are scary it's not kind of inconsequential and i think that that's something that they understood which you i think you get in the best children's literature and the best children's yeah. movies which maybe nowadays has been a bit sanitized mm -hmm. out so there's never really you never feel like there's any real danger but they think that they do that so i think they understood as long as that child was safe or in a safe place when they're watching that film or reading that book then they're fine they don't mind being scared because they're often there when they're reading they're in their own bed or when they're watching it they're with their mum and dad at the pictures or at home so or, or, they're or, effectively or, safe but they can be so it's safe to be scared or as long as they don't get kicked out of the cinema before they know the film yeah. <laughs> like, like Jill did yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's funny I got a phone call from my daughter once she said dad I forgot my key to get in and um, but I don't want to go in because I've just seen I don't know it was some horror film to go so so can you meet me somewhere and pick me up? <laughs> I'm going to be in town at the bus stop where there's people. I went, yeah, okay. Then. So I had to go and pick her up because she didn't want to wander off. So, yeah, I mean, it has effect on... on. I mean, she's a bit older. She's not like a, a small child. Yeah. So, But, yeah, I just remember that. I got this phone call. I thought, oh, that's unusual. Yeah. yeah. Dad, I forgot my key and I don't want to go in. Yeah. You know? I don't want to be indoors on my own. Yeah. yeah. Well, I went to see a film with one of my friends and we were in our 30s at this point. And it, was, it wasn't a pretty scary film, but there was a few jumpy moments. And he said, and he was a six foot two, you know, mid thirties guy. Yeah. And he lived on his own in a big house. <laughs> and he said, when I got home, I checked behind the door before I locked the door. <laughs> so it's still, these films, even though we're an adult, they still have the power to affect us, don't they? Yeah. That's the magic of cinema, I suppose. It is. It is the magic of cinema. Yeah. But I mean, just other things can freak you out. I mean, I remember younger sat on the house and on Butlins went ages ago and had one of these, these portraits done of me. And my mum had it up on the wall like this. And <laughs> I remember sitting there watching a film. I don't know, I think it was a, some... And I kept looking at this picture and it kept... It doesn't matter where you go in the room. Yeah, if there's a portrait yeah. up there, it just follows you. And that really, really freaked me out. <laughs> and I had to move it in the end like that. And mum goes, what's, 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 happened to that? what's happened to that picture of you and all that? I said, oh, I had to go because it was just really <laughs> freaking me out. Yeah. Okay, and on, on to the children's films, the films that are primarily aimed at children but like have like really sort of scary moments in them. I think the two ones that from that recently, well, there's Coraline, Coraline, yeah. which was written by Neil Gaiman, who is uh, who's someone who I think, and he's written some stuff. He that understands dark. He understands dark and, and he, humor as well. Yeah. He's very funny. He understands that you have to go to these dark places, and you have to, especially in some of his books that are supposedly aimed more towards like you know younger people and yeah. all that. He understands that. So and Coraline, I remember I went to see this with a friend of mine, and it was just the two of us, and there was a guy there with his daughter, and we were watching this film, and we halfway through we were like. This is meant for kids. This is freaky. <laughs> and the other one is Inside Out, which I think is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, but there's a bit because it's set inside a girl's head, and oh, there's a bit one. where they go to like uh, they go into like in the, the dream section of, and there's this big massive clown that comes up, and when this clown shows up, like almost all the kids in the cinema start crying, and they start <laughs> <laughs> they just start crying. But uh, we, uh, but I think it's it's just that, and uh, that's Disney again. But, but uh, that's um, it's just understanding that whole idea of look, 
there needs to be a scary bit there needs to be for the fairy tale to really actually work there there's it's almost like there's no triumph if you don't have something that's actually proper scary and this could go terribly terribly wrong um but yeah on that we'd like to say thank you very much jill for a great discussion sharon it looked like you had something else just brewing i just know i was just, just thinking yeah that, that whole children's cinema thing yeah yeah. are mindful of scary moments and joyful moments as well yeah but yeah you have to have the dark to make you appreciate the light can yeah. i just add one thing right Go on. i was totally totally disappointed with maleficent because oh yeah, you liked it. because she's no they made it okay nice. okay so so <laughs> maleficent uh, maleficent so, so yeah. that was the recent thing where disney took the bad the bad guy from sleeping beauty yep. and essentially gave you uh an, gave you uh, a an backstory an apologetic for, apologetic yeah <laughs> and apologetic mm. for maleficent it's like totally destroyed it's like, by illusion it's like oh she might look like a horrible person but honestly honestly look what happened to her this is why she's that bad <laughs> but yeah I, I never saw it but i kind of thought i just like her being mean <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's, it's sort of yeah no, i liked it yeah okay I, okay <laughs> all right cool and now we go into our hidden gems section so we have put out on our facebook page that's they don't make them like they used to uh, and on our Facebook page, you put out an, an appeal for people to come forth and tell us films that they think we should talk about on this show. Films that they think are either bona fide classics or hidden gems. And we have Dan Freezer, who has suggested a movie called Murder by Death. Now, this is a film that um, oh, I've seen it. I think it, neither of you guys have seen I, it. I, I think I may have. Is it an Agatha Christie thing? I mean, I've it's, seen they, they all sort of meld into one, really. It's an Agatha Christie spoof. Oh, it's a spoof. That's what <laughs> it's it is, an Agatha Christie spoof with a cracking cast. It's got Peter Falk, David Niven, Maggie Smith. Um, Alec Trum Guinness. Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, yeah. Truman Capote. It's got like... It's Elsa Lanchester, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that what she... She's in that, yeah. She's the Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. my word! You didn't know that? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I did this afternoon. I thought, well, I haven't got time to watch the whole thing, but I went and watched the trailer yep. and then a few little scenes that are on YouTube. So it is... I thought, I just need to... Just give myself a picture of what this is about. Yeah, but yeah, I was astonished by all these people all in yeah, it. The is, is there a screaming doorbell in it? Yeah, there's a screaming doorbell in it. You, <laughs> do, you, do you know who that the voice is? Oh, oh, Joel, I knew this. Who is it? Fay Ray. King oh, Kong. from King Kong. From King Kong, yeah. yeah. the fairy is from King Kong. <laughs> yes, yeah. so, so it's a film that has all these things. It's written by yeah. Neil Simon. Neil Simon, the, the celebrated Broadway playwright, Neil Simon. I think he wrote The Odd Couple and stuff like that. Yeah, The Apartment, didn't yeah. he do as well? Yeah. A few of those, yeah. So I think Barefoot in the Park was one of his. And so it's it has a lot of pedigree. Yeah. And it's like they take all this talent, come together, and they make a supremely silly movie. It's such a silly movie, and we got a little bit of um, we got a little bit of a of a clip from it, which should tell you a little bit about the kind of humor that they're going for. Now, the first voice you will hear in this will be Alec Guinness, or sorry, Sir Alec Guinness, and then it's followed by David Niven and Maggie Smith, and these are the three people. So these are the three greats of cinema that you have playing off each other in this scene to do this. Not many people come to the manor these days. It's nice to hear guests again. Thank you. You are? Uh, Benson, ma'am. Thank you, Benson. Uh, no, 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 no. Benson, ma'am. My name is Benson, ma'am. Benson, ma'am? Yes, sir. James, sir. Benson, ma'am. James, sir? Yes, sir. James, sir. Benson, ma'am? Yes, sir. Howard. My father's name, sir. What was your father's name? Howard. Howard Benson, ma'am. 
Your father was Howard Benson, Mum. Leave it be, Dickie. I've had enough. Ah, oh, here we are. The late Mrs. Twain's room. She died in here. Oh, dear. Died of what? She murdered herself in her sleep, sir. You mean suicide? Oh, no. It was murder, all right. Mrs. Twain hated herself. We keep this room locked. Why's that? Mr. Twain loved her very much. He's kept her room just as it was the night she choked herself. Nine years ago. Then they walk into the room and it's covered in cobwebs. <laughs> Madam loved it here. She said it was the cheeriest room in the house. the doorbell. That was Mrs. Charleston. I thought she was up here with us, sir. I am, and I will not stay in this horribly filthy room overnight. Filthy? Very well, madam. I'll attend to it during dinner. Thank you, Benson, sir. Mum. What? Benson, mum. Ma'am? Baking flour. What? This dust is baking flour. And these cobwebs. Candied sugar all placed here recently for the sole purpose of frightening us. And that mouse, obviously a mechanical toy. <laughs> Silly. What is? I am. It's real. <laughs> so that gives you a little bit of insight into the kind of humor that they have in the film. And the whole idea is that it's done like, you know, your Agatha Christie kind of thing where everybody converges on this house in the middle of nowhere and they're isolated and it's dark. And then people start getting picked off one by one and you're trying to figure out who is the person who's actually doing this and all that. But the whole idea is that the the people who are invited are all parodies of famous fictional detectives. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so they're yeah. all parodies of famous fictional detectives. So but Peter Sellers is like this like Charlie Chan type. Yeah, so P Peter Sellers plays thing. Inspector Sidney Wang, who is like essentially a parody of Charlie Chan, yeah. who can who speaks in broken English, always sort of like has all these different like sayings that don't really make any sense, <laughs> is followed everywhere by his son, who he hates for being half Japanese. And the thing, and he, Fitzgerald does one of these sort of like walking a tightrope um, performances where you're not sure whether his performance is racist or whether his performance is a satire of racist performances of white people playing right. Chinese characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole film, you're kind of like, Fitzgerald makes you uncomfortable. Um, let's see. <laughs> David uh, Niven, come on, you got. To, oh, okay, so David Niven and Maggie Smith. Yeah. They play. They play a character called Dick and Dora Charleston. Can you kind of can you guess? So they're a crime-solving married couple. Can you can you guess which fictional detective it is that they are spoofing? Hmm. Don't know. They're no. like an Agatha Christie type couple, aren't they? So um, thinking... no, no. Think think um Dashiell Hammett. Oh yes. Oh. Go on then. No. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the names. We had it in the quiz last night, actually, at cinema quiz. Did we? Oh, yeah. Myrna Loy and... Oh, yeah, what are they called? Myrna yeah. and Robert Powell played yeah. them, but what was yeah. the name of the characters? Yep. That was the, the question. The Thin Man. The Thin, thin Man. man. The Thin, thin Man. man. Nick, yeah. Nick, and, Nick and Nora Charles. Nick and ah. Nora. Yeah, the Nick and Nora Charles. Charles. And the funny Good. thing is that in this film, they actually asked Myrna Loy to play the character that was parodying Myrna Loy. Really? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, that makes no sense. She, she was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And she was like, you can't have Myrna Loy parodying Myrna Loy. It makes no sense. No. So you have... Um, you have... Uh, a guy, um, well, you have a, a character called uh, actor called James Coco, who's playing a character called Milos Perrier. 
Perro. Hercule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Hercule. Exactly. And he's he's he plays this take on Poirot who essentially can't stop eating and is always trying to watch his weight and he's like what spending the whole film hungry and it's like oh my god when is dinner <laughs> and, uh, and he has a he has a manservant who is played by James Cromwell and this is James Cromwell uh, you might know him from Babe he was yeah. the farmer oh, in Babe he's been in LA Confidential yeah, essentially if you need movie. if you need a gruff older man he is the go-to person in hollywood nowadays and in this he plays like this sort of like camp french driver who walks around with this terrible accent <laughs> this terrible friend and it was his it was actually his film debut was the first film he ever made <laughs> so this film is a bit of a treasure trove for just sort of like hollywood people what about truman capote truman he... capote truman capote plays uh, you know this book about mr twain yeah yeah so Truman Capote plays Mr. Twain, who is this guy who has invited them all to this house because he's like, you guys all say that you're the greatest detectives in the world and I'm going to present you with a mystery that's so so convoluted that nobody can solve it and show, show that none of you are the greatest detective in the world. And he, he gives a... It's, well, if you've ever seen interviews with Truman Capote, you knew that he was a bit of an over-the-top character and he gives a very Truman Capote over-the-top performance and the, apparently the director had filmed Truman Capote and filmed him in such a way that he wasn't in the shots with anybody else because he planned to replace him at a later date with a real actor, <laughs> but just didn't get around to it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it tells you like this film, it has this sort of anarchic thing about it where it's a little bit like they were just playing around a little bit as if they couldn't be bothered to finish it properly or anything <laughs> like that. And the ending of the film, it's a little bit like... um. You know Monty Python on the Holy Grail, how the film doesn't really end. It just kind of like it's just this sort of like mess of stuff happening and then Happen, like yeah. and then it feels like someone just turned off the camera. And it, it sort of happens with this this as well. So you have Peter uh Peter Falk. Peter Falk plays a character called Sam Diamond. Columbo? Mm. Well, no, no, he did play oh, Columbo. Sam, Sam Don Sam Spade. Yeah, he was he was yeah. played like a Sam Spade kind of character who is always talking about dames and always ready dames, to shoot yeah. people oh, wow. and always talking about having no money <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, when those dark ones. Yeah. How about um? There must have been Miss Marple. Must have been in there somewhere. Ah, Elsa Lanchester. Ah. Elsa Elsa Lanchester plays a character called Jessica Marbles. Uh, Jessica. Ah, <laughs> she plays a character called Jessica Marbles who walks around wheeling wheeling somebody in a wheelchair <laughs> and it turns out when they ask her who this person in the wheelchair is she's like oh that's my nurse he's like what he's like yeah she's my nurse she's been with me ever since i was a child but now she's so old that i have to look after her <laughs> but, she, but she still calls her nurse and everybody everybody uh, so assumes that the person in the wheelchair is is miss marvels and essentially it's and then they have this whole thing and they go through all the tropes of like an agatha christie close-up house thing where it's like, okay, cool, we're going to go for dinner. And then, oh, my word, all the lights went off. The lights come back on. Somebody's dead. Who did it? <laughs> kind of stuff. Oh, no, we've all got to go. Oh, no, the bridge is out. We can't leave. We're locked out here until morning. <laughs> and they just play around with that. And then it gets to the end. And in the end, they're like, he did it. No, that's not him. It's him. It's him. And, there's, and they have this sort of Scooby-Doo thing where it turns out to be like, oh, Alex Guinness. But no, then he takes off his mask and he's somebody else. And he takes off his mask and he's somebody else. <laughs> and it, it's just it's just kind of like a crazy, crazy film, which I don't I, I think is not it would not be to everybody's taste. No, it would not be to everybody's taste. But I mean, for the cast alone, for for the cast alone, it's brilliant. And it's and just for the. It has some funny things. The way, the way it just satirizes. Sat, satirizes. Is that yeah, that's the word. Okay, yeah. cool. That's the way you say it. The way it satirizes the, the whole sort of like, oh, we're all at a house. People are dying one by one and we don't know who's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And also, yeah, Truman Capote. 
uh, although the other thing about it is you ever seen the film Capote yeah I've seen Capote yeah with Philip, C- Philip Seymour Hoffman where he plays Truman Capote when he's writing the book in Cold Blood and when you see Truman Capote in this film and then you look at Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance of Capote apart from the height difference you can just kind of it gives you a lot of respect for Philip mm-hmm. Seymour Hoffman <laughs> Gives you a love because he he sort of like nails the voice everything like that it's just really 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 great, but yeah that's murder by death. Cool. Any, any questions? No, I remember when we talked about this with Dan when he was because we know Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was saying the reason he is his favorite film is because he thinks it's really funny. Yeah. And it's just got a great cast. So they're the yeah the, for him they're the two biggies. You can't argue with the cast, can you? No, there's no, no yeah. Because yeah, I remember I, it's on Netflix, and I remember watching it on Netflix. Just I was like murdered by this, and I saw the cast, and I was like, "What? Oh, I've got to check." I have my <laughs> I was like, "Got to check this out." So I started watching it, and I was just kind of, and throughout the film, I was just thinking, "How did they convince this cast to make this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't understand it, because I mean, Peter Sellers, I can get because Peter Sellers, he was he was up for like doing things like that. He did all sorts of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, throughout his career. I, I think a little bit of trivia. Um, Alec Guinness got the script for Star Wars because I think this was '76. This film, wasn't it? Yes. But anyway, yes. He got the script for Star Wars while he was while he was shooting the film. Yes. He to, yes. Yeah. 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 He used to read. Yeah, so read he read, the, he read the script for Star Wars yeah. on the set of Murder by Death. Death yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's it. But it's just, I mean, Alec Guinness. You had Alec Guinness in the film. You had like David Niven. Niven These yeah. are serious actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they show up in this film, and it, it's it. In one way, it gives me the utmost respect for them. In the other way, I'm just hoping that they weren't, they hadn't just fallen on hard times yeah. and needed the money. <laughs> but, that they were desperate for any employment. <laughs> yeah, I think but, they probably did it as a sort of. They they probably. I would have thought they'd done it as a, a project yeah. that they enjoyed doing that they yeah, thought, thought was quite good for them all to get together and they could probably play off each other. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's it's uh, uh, I think it's it's a very interesting curiosity. It is, if okay. nothing else, if nothing else. But I think that there are some really really funny bits in it. There are some bits that I think are a bit cringe, but generally speaking, I would recommend watching this film to make up your own mind. <laughs> that- there you go. Okay, cool. So thank you very much, Dan. And now we go into a final feature of the show. They're going to be doing Isle of Movies. Sharon, would you please? Yeah, this week's Isle of Movies is a classic film from 1968, set on an island in the Pacific. And it's actually such an island, it's Hell in the Pacific. Oh, that's the name of the film? That's the name of the film, Hell in the Pacific. Okay. Because it's obviously not a paradise, this particular island. And it's film set in World War Two. And to break, very sort of briefly summarise it, it's it's a two-header. There's only two actors in this film. Mm-hmm. And there's Lee Marvin plays a shot-down American Air Forceman. And he, he's, he, he parachutes onto this a seemingly sort of deserted desert island in the middle of the Pacific. And he finds that it's occupied by a lone Japanese naval officer who's been stranded there himself. And so the two of them basically go head-to-head mm-hmm. on this island. And Sean is going to tell the rest about it. But yeah, they yeah. start off where there's this battle of wits, where they fight over water, they fight over food, they fight over different resources. Logs. Mm. Yeah, Failure to then, communicate. But they they fight, but they never actually get. They never kill each other. And they never really hurt each other. But they have this sort of like on running battle. It's a lot of face offs, isn't it? It's like yeah. you know they got like sticks. And they just yeah, they, well they don't really talk. Because they, they, they don't like, speak each other's language, no, no. so there's not a huge amount of dialogue in it, is it? It's just a few. Just bits a few here words and there. here and there. My log. 
<laughs> my log. Because like, ah. it's sat. They want a log to sit on. So and we never log. find out the name of the American. He's just the American. Yeah. But we do find out the name of the Japanese officer. But um, I, I wouldn't like to pronounce it because I'm uh, embarrassed to pronounce it poorly. But he, the American is played by Lee Marvin, as I said. He's obviously one of these great character actors of the 60s. He's Brilliant. got... The world is in his face, isn't it? Yeah, face craggy face, moved, yeah. craggy face, And he himself apparently served in the Pacific in the Second World he War. He did, he was a Marine. Yep. Yeah, and the uh, Japanese actor, Toshiro Mufune, did you say? Yep. In translation. Well, that's the way I pronounce he it. He himself was in the Japanese Army during the Second World War. Ah. So they were both, had been veterans of their own cultures. And it's like this like, class of cultures and this clash of these two strong men. On it's this a, island. It's a John Borman movie, isn't it? John, John Borman, yeah. yeah. He's an ex- I think Great he's director. an extraordinary director. Yep. Yeah, Excalibur. He did Excalibur. Yeah. And he wanted to do, he really, really wanted to do Lord of the Rings. And oh. he was gutted when um, they gave it to Peter Jackson. So, But a Borman Lord of the Rings would have been really interesting. I mean, if you've seen Excalibur. You've yes, seen yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. Because... So, we- because the thing about Borman is that once you hear that, you know that you're going to get an atmosphere. An atmosphere, yes. yeah. You're going to get an atmosphere. And it's you know, it's going to... And that's the thing that when I think of Hell in the Pacific, which I haven't seen the full thing, but like I've spoken before about growing up in Nigeria and having like Turner Classic movies on, and they all, Hell in the Pacific was one of these things that they always showed clips of. Like saying, oh, this film's going to be shown and they're going to show clips. And I just saw this thing, and even in the sort of five-minute clips that they would show, the thing you would get is just... Is the it's the atmosphere that you would get from is the atmosphere that you would just get from these two people facing off and like you know sneaking through the undergrowth and everything like that and about to like you know stab each other and all you're just like oh my what what's going on here what's gonna what are they gonna yeah. do and um yeah so yeah uh, yeah I they're think... both getting like dirtier and beardier and you can see almost like them de I don't know what the word is they become they noise. they lose their civilization don't they they become more and more primitive in their yeah, was, in their response. I was thought it had a little bit of a Lord of the Flies feel about yes, it. Yes, another island film. Yeah. It's, it's also been remade. There was a film in space called Enemy Mine with, yes. with Louis Gossett Jr. I think and it's called uh, Enemy Mine and it's basically exactly yeah. the same thing in space. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically a remake but, but on, on, well, on a planet. Yeah, one of, of these themes because John Borman, he also did Deliverance, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And it's this whole about... Um, men finding their inner strength isn't it about how you can be tried and you can be but you it's through this these difficult situations Adversity, that yeah. you become you refine and you become the true man or you discover about yourself and mm-hmm. so these two men who should hate each other and should be wanting to kill each other how through this adversity they sort of get refined down to their true selves and they meet they find they sort a sort of, of yeah, meeting yeah, they, of they, true they, minds they do, don't they yeah. effectively halfway yeah. through and said that instead of fighting each other if they cooperated, then they could help each other. Yeah. Well, yeah, because as I say, I haven't seen the film, but even in the clips, I kind of get that whole thing because you, you say, you know how they have a standoff. standoff they have a standoff, yeah. but they never actually, they never try and kill each other. No. So it's, it's kind of like, it's almost as if they have that whole thing where it's like, okay, yeah, we're supposed to be enemies and everything like that, but you're the only other human being around here. Yeah. Yeah. You're the only, you're the only the human thought. contact I have. So even though we hate each other, I'm keeping you around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that, there's that recognition in each other, isn't it? That basically they're the same. Yeah, yeah. They're separated by culture. They're separated by war. They're separated by all these other things. But they're basically the same. They're these two men, strong men, who want to survive. Mm. 
Do, what do you think of Lord of the Rings? I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, <laughs> like I do. And um, what do you think Lord of the Rings made by Borman would have been? Do you think it would have been good? I think it would have been far darker. I think it would have been a lot. Darker. There would have been a lot more blood. And I think yeah. it would have been sort of more mythological in its because he quite with the the way he treated Merlin in Excalibur, I think Gandalf would have been a far more. He wouldn't have been quite this sort of slightly twee version that we've seen in yeah. Ten. I think he would have been darker, and maybe slightly more sinister, but not sinister. But there would have been a, those nuances. In yeah, the... yeah. I, I think I think there would have been because I know in Lord of the Rings they say a little bit about it about how Gandalf is he actually a good guy or is he just like you know a wizard who comes in here and uses people for his own um, his own yeah. purposes. And I think if Borman had directed Lord of the Rings, that would have. Come more, come, yeah. yes, come more to the fore. It would have come more to the fore that hang on is because the way Lord of the Rings is at the moment, the evil is very obvious and the good is very obvious. Yeah, and the, and the little bit comes in with Frodo as to how, what effect the ring is having on him and is he becoming evil and all that. But I think in Borman, the if Borman had made the lines would have been a lot more blurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think he he probably would have had Tom Bombadil and the Barrow Whites <laughs> and all that stuff in there. <laughs> Because I think he likes that sort of thing, doesn't he? This, this, this green man type strange creature that lives in the the edges of society. I think he likes that sort of weirdness and. Yeah. You reckon? You reckon that? You reckon oddness. that? Oh, you reckon Borman would have been like? Would have been like? Right, I'm going to take the dumbest character in the entire Lord of the Rings four books, and I'm going to see if I can make him like really dark. Yeah, I think he <laughs> would have it... had real fun with. The weapons and the Barrow Whites oh, and all this stuff where oh they get the given the weapons. I think he would have had fun doing that. I just re- he would have had a field day with Gollum. Oh, oh, wouldn't he just? He would have had a field day with Gollum. He, oh my! I just, I just occurred to me right now. I was like, oh, Gollum is like a Borman character, and it's like Gollum is just is ready made. He's a ready made John Borman character. Yeah, he's all there. Yeah. Oh my word! Okay, so okay, when, 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 whenever, whenever, whenever we do an Isle of movies and we talk, whenever we talk about a movie that we say, okay, this is a movie that's set on an island, filmed on an island, or it has island in the story. Could it have been filmed on this island and where? Uh, botanics, Benton Botanical Gardens. I think it would have had to be in one of the the rugged, the rugged coast. Yeah. So I would have said, yeah, down that Black Gang. Black type Gang way. way, yeah, Black Gang, maybe. Maybe uh, what's Shanklin Chine? Yes, because you've got those. You've got yeah. those sort of quite tropical down there, isn't it? Yeah, and it looks sort of different to the rest different, of the island. Different to the rest and of the island. And you can see yeah. people lurking about in there, building, you can. Yeah. building <laughs> huts and fighting over logs. Yeah. You? you could, yeah. yeah the, one who had the fresh water and you're fighting yeah. like, yeah, this is my water. That's it, yeah. You can drink out of the sea. Yeah. I'm happy, this is my water. Well, you see, I'm just, I still have this in my head of just sort of going around and making our own little B movies of yeah. all these that, island that'd movies. Be, that would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> going really? out to the botanical gardens and reenacting Hell in the Pacific. <laughs> but this is almost like a double island film, actually, as well, because. They build a raft to escape the island and they do manage to get off of their first island and they end up on another island. Another island, yeah. <laughs> so it's a double island film. Yeah, but it's, it's one of those films that I still got it on my list. I was like, got to watch that. Yeah. Got to watch that because... Yeah, it's a good movie. Because the, the atmosphere that he creates and I've, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of anything that says, okay, cool, we're going to make a film there's only going to be two men in it. Yes, so it's it's a, it's a bit like why I like the Tom Hanks movie Cast Away because it's just him and, him it, and a volleyball. Certain scenes reminded me of, of Cast Away actually when you see them building the raft and heading out to sea and, mm-hmm. and seeing different things thinking is that a plane, is it a plane and then 
Yeah, that. There's, have you ever seen Silent Running? Yes. Silent Running. That's just yeah. The just, one man with these Bruce little Dern. little robot. Yeah, pals. three little robot pals. That's, that's but one last mention oh, about Hand of the Pacific. We meant it t- ties us up with our first film choice in that the music from Hand of the Pacific was by Lalo Schifrin. Yay! And you played a piece of his music at the very beginning of the show, so that rounds up our show. I like the professionals that we are. Dun, 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 That's probably not the tune. All right. Okay, cool. And that note, we've run out of time. So until then, I'd just like to say, get well soon. Hope to see you out of the hospital in a cinema. And remember, as always, they do not make them like they used to. See you next week. See you. Bye.